When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday night, so you know what that means. AEW Dynamite on TNT. And you also know what that means. It means post-Dynamite live podcast here across the Wrestling Inc. channels. I'm Justin Labar alongside Alfred. This is Nasty Kanoa. And man, oh man, you need to be watching live in living color to see the style that Alfred is bringing to the podcast tonight. How are you? I've been great. You know, I'm in my favorite hat. And yes, I agree with Justin. You got to watch us live. Also, because chemistry just kind of jumps off the page. I don't think the audio does it as much uh, justice. Anybody who's seen us together knows that it's always a fun time with me and Justin. But good to have you back, buddy. And I'm very excited to talk about this episode of AEW Dynamite because we have a lot going on. I love our chemistry. I love doing this. Yeah, I mean, I go away for one week. I come back and we've instituted a new dress code here on Wrestling Inc. Podcast. <laughs> I, I had to smart you up about the dress code off the air, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, a big show of Dynamite tonight. They went back to, as a homecoming, they went back to Daly's Place in Jacksonville. Uh, but certainly uh, a lot to talk about from this show. Uh, and, of course, AEW has get, just got every bit of momentum right now in the ring and out of the ring with what's going on, which I'm sure we'll dissect into all of it. Uh, of course, I haven't got to talk about much of it in the last week because I was gone last week, so I'll be happy to get into that with Alfred. And of course, all your Super Chats are welcome. We appreciate the content to talk about. Raj appreciates the dollars. Uh, but first... As everybody's starting to find their seat and find their way in, let's start to take a look at some of the news that went on. Uh, we'll take a look first at WWE before we jump over into the AEW-related news. And that is the possibility, Alfred, according to Cassidy Haynes of Body Slam, that uh, internally WWE is uh, kind of expecting and planning that they might have to retreat back to the Performance Center or uh, you know an atmosphere like the Thunderdome given the fact that COVID-19 cases, unfortunately, are starting to rise again, uh, this new Delta variant in the U.S., and there's a, you know, a resistance still against part of the population to get vaccinated. And so as we see you know, uh, different mandates popping back up for masks from different businesses, we saw New York City made it official that starting in September, uh, if you are not vaccinated, you cannot go into uh, you know, b- b- gyms and bars and sporting events indoors. So, uh, I mean, Alfred, what do you make of this? I mean, just as we start to feel like we are, coming on the other side of this at least from the pro wrestling sports world uh, of going back to these action-packed full arenas that now we might be it might have all just been a quick little tease yeah i would be so deflating if this actually happened because you know maybe it is because i cover wrestling or we watch wrestling on a day-to-day basis but nothing really has felt to me like the world is back like watching wrestling in front of live crowds and, and you know it's just night and day when it comes to even raw being in front of a live crowd compared to three hours in the thunderdome where you felt every minute of that three hours whether it's the thunderdome or the performance center and to see them in chicago to see them in these cities that are really hot with these crowds in kind of a honeymoon phase where they're really reacting to a lot of things and it's just very exciting to see what wrestlers are getting the responses and what wrestlers are more popular with these crowds because so many of them have not really even gotten to compete in front of these live crowds. So um, for that to just kind of go back to where it was, and we were talking about this not too long ago, as WWE was gearing up to leave the Thunderdome, of whether or not they were going to hold on to the Thunderdome in case they had to go back, or if you know the Performance Center would be the contingency plan. And I really do hope there was some kind of agreement. I don't know if it's going to be the Thunderdome, the location they were there, but hopefully they have some plan to immediately construct a Thunderdome-like setup, because it does make a difference in terms of the fall off of the ratings. If they have to go back to that desolate Performance Center where there's basically no noise that was death for their ratings and i really do hope that they have you know i do not want to see them back in the thunderdome but if they do have to go back hopefully it's a setup like that with the virtual fans yeah you know i'm you know first you have SummerSlam's the next biggest event for wwe in vegas at allegiant stadium i believe it they even i think it was came out today that you are gonna have to wear a face covering uh if you're in attendance for SummerSlam. i think that's probably where it will stay i cannot see because remember of course you know a special saturday night SummerSlam. uh early on the west coast time then the uh, the, the, the the pacquiao fight yeah yeah it's pacquiao fight is pacquiao, pacquiao boxing fight happening later that night so if 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 vegas if something was to happen by the local government or the state government to say SummerSlam can't happen you're killing both SummerSlam, and then you also have to then stop the, the fight so I, I just don't see that happening so i think SummerSlam's gonna happen but then yeah do they end up going back to the thunderdome 
I, I don't want to get into a vaccine conversation or make this political, but I just have to say, look, if it gets to the point of no, you can't go back to that. If it gets to the point where you got to say, look, uh, if you're vaccinated, you can buy a ticket or if you're vaccinated, this is the you can sit in the lower bowl and be closer to the ring unvaccinated. You're up. I mean, I, I just don't think never mind wrestling wise, but I just think as a general, I don't think we can shut down again. I think it's just going to at this point, there is vaccines. I think that's what the, it's going to have to be. It's going to New York City has been the lead the entire way through this pandemic what they've done everybody's kind of followed suit within a matter of weeks i just think that's what it's going to be so i'm hopeful that they will not be going back to a thunder room situation they will continue to travel it just might affect certain ticket holders if they have not gotten vaccinated so absolutely and you know hopefully it doesn't lead to just kind of ugliness around wwe events in terms of wwe putting their foot down putting together these mask mandates and people saying well no that's not what i want to do and and, and whatnot like i really don't want wwe dragged into all of this stuff but that looks like what it's going to come to is wwe in an effort to maintain their live touring schedule which has been uh, a success in terms of them recently selling out all these events they may need to just put their foot down and say you gotta have a mask on to come to our events yeah, I mean, w, you're right. WWE is doing great. The, the what they're and not just the TV, not just for Raw and SmackDown. But you know, they've done some house shows. They did they did one here in Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. That I went to Milwaukee, Detroit. Well, yeah, I mean, they, and they're doing really good. And it's not, you know, I mean, John Cena plays a big role in that, of course. But I mean, they are. I mean, obviously, just people are thirsty to get back out uh, and see you know see this uh, action live. So, uh, yeah, last thing WWE right now wants to do is uh, break any momentum they might be having. When it comes to live events, uh, Matthew Pierce, 499 says raw sucks. Smackdown has Roman and the rest is average, but AEW is just fire right now. Love this company. Can't wait for rampage. Of course, yeah, rampage kicks off, uh, next week. They're here in Pittsburgh for a residency Wednesday, dynamite Friday rampage. We'll get to all that. And yeah, I mean, AEW's got a lot going on. There's a lot of rumors about, you know, you know, obviously Malachi black was in the main event tonight, you know, a, a recent signing by AEW. a lot of rumors about CM Punk and Dan O'Brien, uh, but another piece of uh, news and rumor coming out from fightful select that, uh, Ruby Soho, or as you might remember more recently, Ruby Riot in WWE, uh, Heidi Loveless prior to that on the Indies, that she is rumored that she is on her way, uh, likely to all elite wrestling. Uh, so this Alfred, uh, certainly she was underutilized in WWE. She's not the biggest in size wise, but has a very standout look, uh, good in the ring. And, and it's noted in this report by Fightful Select, very well liked, very well liked by everybody that, that, is, that, that knows her. Uh, so I think by all of that account, that's a, this could be a great addition for the women's division that's continuing to grow in AEW. A hundred percent. And with all these free agents out, this is, I don't even think it's arguable. This is the deepest pool of free agency I think we've ever seen in national pro wrestling and a lot of the con- conversation in terms of who's going to go where does focus on the men but you look at all the women who are out there to me Ruby Soho or Ruby Riot was number one on my list in terms of somebody AEW really should pursue somebody who's very talented nobody questions Ruby Riot's talents and to your point like when she got released if you looked at the timeline if you looked at all the Twitter tributes and the people in wrestling who had great things to say about her who respected her and just said I can't wait to see what you do she is one of the most beloved respected wrestlers in the business so this is going to be a lot uh, of fun to see Ruby uh, Riot come to AEW, and I think uh, it's something that Britt Baker very much needs. We finally saw some new blood coming in there with Red Velvet, which I thought was great. And, but Britt Baker has done a great job, kind of carrying this women's division by establishing a lot of movement around her. With you know Reba not Rebel, her character has been great, but she does need like a consecutive row of challengers. She needs a deep division to wrestle and to play off of. And I think this is going to be a great addition sometime down the line to see Ruby Soho coming to AEW. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, look, there's been a lot of talent uh, from WWE who have been cut in the last, um, you know, 15 to 18 months. And I would have to say off the top of my head that I can remember, I took notice of that the two talents that might've had the most genuine uh, amount of outpouring from their colleagues of, you know, sorry to see them go. What a misuse or misfortune essentially is Bray Wyatt and Ruby Riot, you know, that's saying something. Bray Wyatt, you know, I was talking about this Monday with Raj. Bray Wyatt is one that he's not, wasn't a locker room leader the way that Roman is, but was somebody who others did confide in. He was very well liked. I mean, if you didn't, if, if, if he, if, 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 if he didn't like you, there's probably a problem. Um, and so, I mean, I've really, from, from those I've talked to, that one's really shook a lot of the locker room internally and the morale of, no, nobody ever second guessed this guy being in a top spot. For how good? So you got that with Bray Wyatt, and then when you get it with Ruby Riot, obviously she did not accomplish the level what Bray did in WWE. But when you hear that coming out on social media from the colleagues, that tells you just how 
much people think of Ruby Riot in the business. Uh, so that's a could be a big uh, get for AEW. Uh, a lot of positive news for AEW uh, by and large, but one big story that certainly had its um, cloud of controversy in the last 24 hours, Alfred. Uh, love to get your take on this one. It was Max Caster. Uh, of course, he's known for coming to the ring and he's rapping, and he was on AEW's 100th episode of Dark, uh, this past week, and as he came to the ring, he's rapping, and it was a rap that had some uh, very controversial comments. One commenting and 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 and, and poking fun at uh, Simone Biles, of course, the American Olympic gymnast who uh, withdrew from a lot of her competitions in the Olympics this 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 summer, uh, you know, citing mental health kind of you know issues that she was dealing with and 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 what have you. Also made a reference to the um, Duke lacrosse. Uh, case that's going on in the sports world. Uh, just really, really, just really just controversial. I'm trying to find a different word without being, without being redundant, but I'm also trying to be appropriate here. Uh, anyway, so caused a lot of controversy with that. Tony Khan on his recurring spot that he tends to guests appear on Busted Open, my guys there on Sirius XM. Uh, he came on today, talked about it, and basically said last night on Dark, Matt Caster's rap was terrible. And he goes on to say uh, he did not know. You know, he was not, I guess, sitting, you know, in the right there backstage watching as it happened. Uh, he didn't find out about it till later. And uh, he said that from moving forward, he's going to take ownership uh, of the editing of AEW Dark, which I guess he wasn't. He was only involved up to this point in Dynamite. So, first off, a couple of things to dive into, Alfred. First off, your reaction just to Max's comments trying to get heat. Uh, yes, comments trying to get heat and also his rap lyrics. Shout out to Matt Caster. I love Max Caster. I thought the rap was pretty good. And it's weird because I'm not used to, I'm very much, I love hip-hop. And I watch a lot of hip-hop. I consume a lot of hip-hop content. And hip-hop is just always about rate the bars. There's just an understanding that, like, we're not going to really look into what he's saying and what he's going to do. Rate the bars. How talented is this rapper? And, yes, part of that is ignoring a lot of the messed up stuff because there's an understanding that they're not really going to do this stuff. The problem is Max Caster is not in the hip-hop world. AEW is quite the opposite right now in terms of he's now rapping these edgy lyrics, which is how his character thrives. But when he says that now you have to deal with sponsors, you have to deal with breaking it down and people somehow saying, oh, how could you say this about Duke Lacrosse? And yeah, when you say the words that he said out loud like we do on a podcast, it does sound messed up. But shout out to Max Caster. I just think it's really funny and kind of hit a critical that the same guy, Tony Khan, who's now condemning Max Caster, he's going to come in, he's going to edit the bars, and he's going to edit this uh, programming. This is the same guy who you just heard Nick Gage say that when Nick Gage went on national television with a pizza cutter and sliced open a 50-year-old man's face so where he's bleeding on TV on a sport that's supposed to be fake, Tony Khan was the first person in guerrilla position. I'm like, yeah, Nick uh, Gage, good job, congratulations. So I think that is just hilarious that that's an economy. Uh, Tony Khan quickly becoming one of my favorite people to cover in wrestling, and I just am scared for Max Caster in terms of him being edited by Tony Khan because, I mean, he's not quite of the culture Tony Khan. So having Tony Khan edit Max Caster's bars would be like Kanye West having a listening party in an Elks Lodge. It's just going to water the guy down and Max Caster thrives on edginess. He's not going to be as edgy with Tony Khan uh, rating his bars. So I'm very terrified for that. I really think Max Caster needs to course correct. He probably needs to go the route of compliment battle rap. And I'm not being facetious here. I watch King of the Dot and Smack URL, and there is something called a compliment rap battle where the goal is to out-compliment your opponent. It's very funny. When, when well done, it's very hilarious. And in order to avoid his character becoming less edgy, he might need to just course correct and go that way and complimenting his opponents so he doesn't have to deal with uh, people editing his bars. Well, to Tony Khan's uh, response today on Busted Open, I mean, you know, you know, props to him for just answering it, not dodging the topic. It was it was the number one thing being talked about, I think, on social this morning. So you can't avoid it. Uh, so, you know, props to him for you know still doing the live appearance on, on Busted Open for not, you know, he could have said, oh, I got stuff to do. don't want to get, you know, but he answered it. So, again, props right there. Uh, and I mean, I guess good on him on the on the accountability of if he's going to take. But I but he shouldn't have to. Dude, you're a billionaire. You got this company to run. Like, delegate. You know, just j- just say. Yeah. The editing team screwed up. They should have came to me and told me this. I, you know, or, or, or maybe you know, or just I don't know. I I don't like the thought of the guy who who's got all the things he's got to run and do. I don't like the thought of him having to sit in an editing room. Um, you know, I mean, look, I I don't know. I just it was just kind of I don't know. It's kind of comical. I just, I'm thinking of like Paul Heyman sitting in that. I'm thinking of like beyond the map. Paul Heyman sitting in the the basement while the the woman the mom's doing the the irony and what is you know tony khan's wrapped up in editing i don't know um but uh to the max caster point yeah you know 
maybe that maybe your suggestion is the way to go. I tell you what, it, you know, certainly it's controversial to talk about both of those situations. Obviously, Simone Biles, uh, you know, very timely right now in the Duke lacrosse thing. Um, you know, rape, <laughs> despite what George Carlin and people say, rape, rape's not funny. Um, but, you know, I do, it, when these things happen, we've had, when these things happen, I do often think to myself, you know, there's such this, always this request for, let's stop having wrestling be so for the PG. Let's get back to the attitude era. And, and what he said was very much in line of what we would have gotten 22 years ago. In the, and I just think like, yeah, just by today's standards and practices, and and that's fine. Societies evolves, standards evolve as as we all want to as as, as population. I'm like, yeah, the attitude are just you just that just won't survive in 2021. That's because that's the kind of stuff you'd be throwing out there, and that just just doesn't fly these days. Yeah, I mean, the attitude there was very specific time capsule. You know, like I love the 90s and everything, but there was an edgy shock value element to the 90s and across all programming, whether it was Howard Stern, Jerry Springer, and even pro wrestling. And yes, this was something that maybe you would see in an attitude era, but I would also say, I think it's more uh, of a commentary of hip hop. Like John Cena's character was not an attitude era character. He was post attitude era. He was a rapper. He said a lot of edgy things, but not because of the time he was in. It's because it's hip hop. Hip-hop is very edgy. Hip-hop is not going to stop short and try to worry about your feelings. Uh, but, you know, Max Castro has a hip-hop gimmick that is very edgy. He goes for the ooh. So you're playing that game. You are going to probably step on some toes. But I'm not going to play the outrage game with that. Uh, I'm just going to say that Max Castro really does need to be careful. And we were talking about this in terms of um, last night on the NXT podcast about Hit Row. Hit Row does a very good job of being edgy while not really saying anything that's offensive or inflammatory. I think it's very talented. And it's one of the many things that impresses me about that group. And, uh, you know, Max Castor does a good job of that, too. But this is just a misstep from Max Castor here. So he just kind of needs to get back to hopefully uh, rapping in a style that will please the sponsors, which is always a hard thing to do with hip hop. Well, speaking of sponsors, so that entrance uh, of Castor in that rap was on was on the episode of Dark that aired this week, which, of course, we know they filmed that prior to Dynamite the week earlier. So that so that rap was done in real time about a couple hours before the famous pizza cutter Domino's uproar that happened last week. I will be curious if as Max can, the next time he comes to the ring, do you think he drops a Domino's comment? Do you think he, do you think, do you think he can run that one by Tony Khan? Yeah, that's the thing. He's going to have to run it by Tony Khan. The, the time for the Domino's comment would have been before this whole thing happened. But like to your point, it just happened on the same show. So I don't think Tony Khan would go for that. And I just hate that that's an element of this character now. Now, now it's the watered down Max Casserole. Every time he goes out there in the back of my mind, you know that Tony Khan has looked at these bars and, oh, okay, then that's okay for you to say. So it, it, I'm very nervous for this character, to be quite honest. Well, who do you want to prove in your rap? Tony Khan or Vince McMahon? <laughs> well, it depends on if he raps about poop and the toilet humor, he might get two bars through. <laughs> what rhymes with flatulence? <laughs> I would love because there's that famous story of Vince McMahon uh, trying to teach Dennis Miller how to do comedy. I would love that Vince McMahon be like, "Oh no, this is how you rap. This is what you got to do." <laughs> I want somebody in the rap world out there. I want them to put out a new track and I wanted to sample and I wanted I wanted to sample and there to be uh, on a loop that soundbite from beyond the mat with Vince going he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna puke he, I just I mean let's sample that 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 right there it's got money written all over it Mega Ram, make that happen that'd be great I would love to hear that okay let's go ahead and jump into AEW Dynamite tonight of course again back in Jacksonville from Daly's Place and we kick it off with the third labor for Chris Jericho to overcome and it's his old nemesis from back in WCW 22 plus years ago on TNT him versus Hooven Tude Guerrera uh now before we get into the match I will hit a, a few super chats one of which I believe actually touched right here on Jericho this one coming from our buddy Joey Georgian uh five dollars said the episode felt like a step backwards tonight from the past three weeks something felt off and sloppy in Cody's promo which we'll get to and Jericho looked tired uh, I mean, I well, let's get in this match. I don't know about Jericho looking tired, but I mean, he I like that he was selling with the bandages and selling everything from the death match the week prior. Uh, actually, I'm watching this match, Alfred, and I couldn't help but uh, you know, it was cool to see Hoovintu Guerrero out there. But I, you know, at, at a moment, I was like, man, Hoovy looks like he's a little blown up, he's not as fast as I remember. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, well, a when you're as fast as he was in his prime, it's hard to live up to that at age 46. And oh, also, he's age 46 and he's in there with a guy who's 
Jericho is age who's in Jericho's in his fifties now, and Jericho is a freak for the fact that Jericho performs as well as he does, as consistently as he does for being that age. So I was like, well, maybe I'm giving Hooventude an unfair bar to try to uh, clear here. Uh, so I don't really think Jericho looks tired. I mean, if anything, I thought Hoovy, you know, trying his best to keep up. But at the end of the day, uh, the gimmick being Jericho to win has to uh, apply a move off the top rope. He gets the Judas effect off the top rope. Uh, and there were some shenanigans after. But before we get to the after, uh, what did you make of Jericho, Hoovy? Did this live up to any nostalgia hype that you might have uh, given? It? Yeah, it actually did. I was in the minority of people who actually liked Hoovy tonight. I know that there, he did look tired in places. And if you saw Hoovy and Jericho at their peak, you know, like I did with Nitro and the Cruiserweight, the great Cruiserweight division and Nitro, they were just incredible together. So this was definitely not that. And I'm glad I didn't go back to watch those matches. But I did look at this with a lowered bar. I didn't have high expectations. And maybe that's why I was so pleasantly surprised. But yes, Hoovy didn't look tired in parts. And, you know, it wasn't the Hoovy of old. But I mean, he still looks good, I think. He still hasn't really aged. He didn't look like an old man aesthetically. I thought he looked just fine. Uh, maybe he just hasn't gotten the ring time in there. I don't know how much how frequently he's been wrestling. I know he has been done doing stuff in Mexico for AAA and whatnot. Uh, but over the pandemic, I don't know how frequently he's been wrestling. Uh, and so he did not look like the Who people. But I liked what I saw. And maybe I'm nostalgic because, you know, I'm an Attitude Era kid. Uh, and I did like what I saw. And I do not think Jericho looked tired. I, I do think he was doing a good job of selling. That might would have been what it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, talking about expectation, Raj was tweeting prior to the, the Dynamite tonight. Raj thought this was going to be the main event. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was either going to be the main event or the first match. It was going to be one of those, because you know the top two matches was this and then uh, Malachi Black versus Cody. So either way, I thought one of those was going to be the main and one of those was going to be the first match. So it didn't too much surprise me that it was first. And speaking of Black, uh, F50, uh, five euros, I thought AEW really pulled off the aura of Black's entrance and dominance. If they can pull that off with him, imagine the booking potential. Yeah of bray uh, so interesting food for thought we will revisit uh malachi black here once we get to that main event segment uh so yeah so jericho oh, we got a dollar 99 from anthony martin i don't know if you anthony i don't know if you meant to type something but we appreciate uh we appreciate the super chat if you, if, if you did want to send something try to we'll try to keep an eye out for it um so jericho wins and of course mjf once again on commentary he uh he's on commentary but then wardlow comes out and attacks both hoovy and jericho after the fact and mjf reveals that wardlow uh next week here in pittsburgh uh which is uh, of course where wardlow really got his start uh will be taking on jericho that's that's the fourth labor and a little confusing here alfred i believe mj i believe it was said in this segment that mjf was going to be the special ref but then later in the show, they walk it back and said, no, he's going to be ringside. So I don't know if he actually is going to be the ref and they just accidentally spoiled. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure. But nonetheless, that's, that's Jericho and Wardlow next week. And MJF's, of course, going to be out there involved in some regard. This was very confusing. Between MJF's promo, his exact words were, I'm going to be accompanying Wardlow to the ring. I thought Jim Ross did a good job of clarifying and saying, so MJF is going to be the guest referee. And then, yeah, they did walk that back. So I'm not sure. I don't think the way MJF delivered it was very good. Even though it was a good promo, as always, he didn't really deliver the fact of what he would be doing. So in terms of all the labors of Jericho, you got to understand, this is the last labor of Jericho before he gets to MJF. So people were kind of twisting themselves into knots, fantasy booking what this could be. Could it be Lance Storm, Jericho's first opponent? What's going to happen in terms of the last labor of Jericho? You, and I thought it's the best idea I've heard, said Braun Strowman potentially, I thought would have been great but it's going to be Wardlow who's an incredible guy an incredible wrestler and um but uh, the fact that MJF you know in building up the stipulation just said oh I'm going to be ringside I think the fans really just couldn't care less I think they would have cared more if he would have announced he's going to be a special guest referee but that wasn't done and it's now not clear as to what that's going to be mm -hmm. uh Anthony Martin looks like he did get his question in here uh, he says do you think that AEW will go back to doing shows in one place Chicago starting to have uh restrictions again um Again, I mean, I don't. Again, I have hope that again, both these companies they have a, a touring schedule out. They have tickets that are again selling really well. Um, so I gotta think that even I gotta think they're obviously talking to all these cities and all the local officials and, and think that they're going to both for the sake of the comp the wrestling companies and the sake of the uh, revenue that these cities would like to have. I gotta think that again, at the, the first step is going to be we're not going to shut you down completely, but we're going to say you have to wear masks, or we're going to say again. If vaccinated ticket holders get one portion of the arena unvaccinated. You know, I, I just, I can't, I just have a hard time right now seeing all these politicians risking their political status and votes once again and shutting back down and have another economic shutdown when there is a, when those vaccines are out there. I just, I just can't see that. And I, and I don't even know about Daly's Place for AEW. I don't know if Daly's Place is available every single week anymore. I don't think it is. Uh, 
So, you know, and same thing with WWE. You know, they can't go back to the last arena they were in for the Thunderdome, I think, was what the England Center. I don't think that's so. I mean, I think if anything, you'd, you might be able to find a small circuit of arenas that you can try to just keep bouncing to but i don't i don't think they can i think the residencies are kind of done right now i think they're gonna have to just make do so um yeah so we'll, we'll see how that uh how that shakes out uh peter bahi five dollars was hoping for another nostalgic act like an xwb star instead of wardlow yeah well you know what I, I peter i get what you're saying because i've been pleasantly surprised by this whole you know because i had a very uh generic WWE booking mind about this that okay the labors of love when it was first announced it is going to be war it's just going to be the pinnacle right it's just going to be a, ga- a gauntlet and thankfully they've been far more creative than I have with this in terms of giving us Nick Gage in a death match Hooventude you know like that this has been creative uh but I don't mind still trying to get a homegrown person in Wardlow over as the last level and who knows what if they swerve us and Wardlow beats Jericho and there's a there's a wrinkle to the story, so I, I don't mind this. And of course, obviously, I have a soft spot for Wardlow, but uh, I, I I don't mind that the one the one a, one AEW regular being somebody uh, like a Wardlow, uh, Bear Hudson five dollars. I think Max what Max Caster said was weak, disrespectful, and lazy. Hit Row is way better than Max Caster without the controversy. Stop being lazy. Yeah, Bear's been very uh, outspoken about that, but you know, I would tend to disagree. My favorite rapper is Eminem. He says all kinds of crazy stuff that I would tend to agree with, but you know, the talent I think overcompensates for that. Whether that's right or wrong is another discussion. But I don't think that Max Caster was intending to do any of those things, support any of the things he was saying. I think he was just a hip hop artist trying to make words rhyme. I would tend to agree there. All right, uh, we see Adam uh, Page, Hangman Adam Page. He's backstage with the Dark Order, and he basically says, "Guys, I think for now." We're done. Uh, and so this is going to be critical for uh, later in the night, which we will get back to. But keeping in order, we get a uh, six-man tag match where we got Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston, and John Moxley up against 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Uh, not much here. This is a this is a Darby, Kingston, and Moxley uh, victory. Uh, anything to take away from this? Um, I thought it was fun. I thought Darby Allen just looked uh, like he was a huge star and uh, got the biggest reaction. I think uh, we're kind of seeing John Moxley for the first time in his career in something of a holding pattern in AEW where he's not, um, there's not really a direction, I think, for this character at the moment, which is fine. That is the peaks and troughs of pro wrestling. And he had a hell of a run in terms of somebody just came in on day one, was immediately over, and uh, you know had a run with the AEW world title. But uh, I thought this was fine. It was good to see Everrise back in there, actually. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. was good. good to see them. Uh, more Max Caster lighting up the super chats here. Uh, David Flores, four ninety nine. Max Caster also made a lot of sexual controversial comments to Julia Hart. He referenced she was gang rape and also referenced it last week on Dark. So, I mean, yeah, man, man, rightly or wrongly, Max Caster has gotten his name out there. Controversy creates cash. Listen, yeah, he, he's uh, in the center of it right now, but I'm not backing down. This is not how I analyze hip-hop, but I'm not going to cater to anybody who does like that. I understand you're being offended, but this is what happens when you take black culture and you put it somewhere that it is kind of a fish out of water. Like, as great as he is, is doing what he does, you're going to be a fish out of water in this world with, you know, with what you are in AEW and all these sponsors and stuff like that and fans who are not conditioned to listen to this type of stuff. So I'm telling you, course correct, do compliment rap battle. It's very, very, very entertaining, and it could get people on your side in terms of the type of clientele that AEW has. Absolutely. Uh, and again, I made a reference earlier. Tony Khan addressed the situation on Busted Open on Sirius XM. I want to do a cheap plug. Obviously, every Friday morning, I'm on Busted Open, 10 a.m., spar with LeBar, myself, Dave LaGreca, and Mark Henry. And here's a little bit of a piece of news for you. You can go to my Twitter and get more information. AEW, of course, here in Pittsburgh next week, Wednesday, Dynamite, Friday, Rampage. So that right in the middle of that Thursday, if you're looking for something to do Thursday, come hang out with myself, Dave LaGreca, and Mark Henry. We are going to be here in Pittsburgh, uh, not too far from the uh, Peterson Event Center, where AEW will be uh, taking place at. Come join us next Thursday night from 6 to 8. Enjoy some great food, drink, and wrestling talk at the Thirsty Scholar Bar and Grill next Thursday, uh, 5 to 8 p.m. Must be 21 or older. Uh, it's right on Fifth Avenue, right there at the University of Pitt campus. Uh, but that is uh, next Thursday. Uh, myself, Dave LaGreca, and Mark Henry. The nation, across the nation, Pittsburgh party. So uh, come out and talk some wrestling, have some drinks, have some food. It's going to be a good time next Thursday night. Information is, of course, you do have to, you have, do have to purchase tickets. There's uh, uh, all the information on Twitter, but go check that out. Looking forward to hanging out with those guys in person. The world's strongest man, Mark Henry, of course, will make his commentary debut the next night on Friday night's uh, Rampage, which that was announced, Alfred. Tonight they announced the uh, crew, a four-man announced crew. 
for Rampage that's going to consist of Mark Henry, Excalibur, Taz, and Chris Jericho. Uh, so what do you make? I mean, th- th- what a what a group of personalities that is. Uh, that, 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 that sounds like the start of a joke. Uh, Taz, Excalibur, uh, Chris Jericho, and Mark Henry walk into a bar. I mean, this is... <laughs> yeah, it's... I'm very nervous for that. I, I love all four guys in terms of commentators. Jericho is so entertaining as a commentator, but he's very over the top. And uh, and Jericho likes getting his stuff in. And you can say the same about a guy like Taz who's very good at what he does. What I think works about AEW in terms of the three-man booth, which I think is crowded enough in terms of having a three-man booth in general. It's always hard to pull off. Or sometimes they'll do a four-man booth when Taz comes in and helps. But Tony Schiavone and I think Jim Ross do a good job of working part and parcel. I almost consider them like one person almost in the chemistry they have the fact that uh, i think shivani is kind of there to be like the jim ross whisperer and kind of level out jr so i think they do a good job of that uh but they're unique i don't think a four-man announce group is a good idea regardless of the talent and especially with guys like jericho and taz who i think are going to command a lot of real estate i I think his caliber is just great and i I have uh, high hopes for mark henry but this is going to be a big ass to have a weekly four-man announce group yeah i'm curious but kind of like you i'm uh, you know obviously i don't want to see it fail but i am really interested to see how those four personalities a four a four person team's a lot three's a lot uh and that's in anything pro wrestling it's a lot i i, I three-man crews and, and and football is a lot um so yeah four guys especially again taz and jericho who are just great stick men you, know, you set them up they will knock it down um so to to, to you, know, you know you and i joe you and i've been on the air together for a better part of a decade uh and, and we kind of feel each other's I can tell when you're going to start and stop and, and, and vice versa. Uh, and that's one thing when it's one on, when it's a two person group, but, the, but four people to really try to feel not step on each other's toes, but still hit your marks of getting over what you need to get over. Um, it will be a challenge, but I will, I'm really interested to hear how these four, who knows this, but this, they might've, they might unlock something. We, that, that, that's a gem. We don't if know. they can make this work with these personalities, it would be one of the better achievements in all of broadcasting. They deserve an Emmy if they make this work. For sure, I like Excalibur getting the lead play-by-play spot, though he, uh, you know, he's not—he's certainly not recognized as the lead guy on Dynamite. Of course, Jim Ross gets that, uh, and deservedly so. Um, but when you actually, you know, Jericho or uh, excuse me, Jim Ross is the lead guy in the marquee. Excalibur tends to do more of the second-to-second play-by-play of the, of. The, uh, of matches of dynamite but i saw but i like the fact he's going to get to probably lead this entire crew i think that's going to be really good and well deserved i think excalibur has uh uh, has made the most of his time being there in between the two hall of famers and tony shivani and jim ross absolutely all right picking back up uh we get a very interesting backstage now this is fun to talk about so we get the uh, entire elite bunch back there we got omega we got the bucks we got gallows and anderson nakazawa Cutler, they're all back there, continuing to do basketball, uh, playing off you know that whole thing uh, that they did, you know, the, from the the Space Jam parody. Um, continuing to talk, Omega, continuing to talk about. There's nobody left. You know, he's beating everybody. But what I want to bring up, Alfred, did you catch all the Easter eggs? Uh, some of them. Uh, let's revisit the. Um... I, I believe we, there's a couple of. Them. If you rem- I remember popping for a couple of things that I know were like hidden. Well, so I, and I might have missed some, so maybe maybe you'll give me some that I did. The v- Easter eggs I'm referencing, at least that I'm interpreting, are all visual Easter eggs. Okay. If you take a look, all the guys, all these guys were dressed very uh, eclectically. Gallows is wearing a Ric Flair robe. Yes, got that. Of for course, sure. Rick, of course, Ric Flair is now a free agent, as well as we've discussed. Um, Anderson is wearing uh, the Bollywood Boys uh, <laughs> butter chicken shirt. And of course, they they were released by WWE some some weeks ago. You have the Bucks who are wearing Hawaiian shirts, looked very similar. I saw like the comparison to early Bray Wyatt, uh, especially when Bray was in the rocking chair, being compared to Waylon Mercy. And then, very obviously, Kenny Omega is wearing a Cookie Monster shirt, which for those who are new to Fallen Wrestling or aren't familiar with this Easter egg. Uh, it, there's always been a long-standing. What does the CM and CM Punk stand for? Is it Chicago made? Is it whatever? I think. And I think one of the funny responses Punk once gave is Cookie Monster. So a lot of things, and, and I'm probably missing some. That's just what I have off the top of my head here. Uh, I didn't write good enough notes. So j- just that's the visual Easter eggs, and of course, all you know, just hitting all the things that people are buzzing about right now 
of the free agents in the world. So that's what took my attention from this entire segment. Very well done. Yeah, the Cookie Monster thing went over my head, and that absolutely was an Easter egg now that I think about it. But I did catch in terms of the Young Bucks. I I did notice that they were – even though they have kind of worn that get-up before, it was – very kind of almost intentionally like Bray Wyatt with him top of mind. And then the robe, obviously, was just, you know, kind of hitting you over the head with it. I did not notice uh, Carl Anderson's shirt that it was a Bolly Boys reference. Uh, so a very nice stuff going on here. I really like that they AEW does have a crowd of people who are going to pick up on stuff like that, who uh, follow the product very closely in and out of the ring. So I think stuff like this was great. And I really did enjoy this whole segment. Yeah, good stuff here. And, of course, we'll get more of these guys uh, and Hangman Page here in just a few moments. Uh, we get Christian... I'm sorry. It was also impressive that they were kind of shooting the basketball. They they made all of their shots, and they kind of did this in a continuous take to where just kind of casually shooting. And it does look easy, but we did see the Young Bucks miss a dunk the week before. So the fact that they got so far into this promo and they're just hitting all these shots one after another was very impressive. Yeah, no, I I, I, I noticed that too because, again, it's all one continuous. There's no camera cuts, so this is all, um, you know, this is all get the, get the take, get, get it in a good take here. Uh, we get Christian Cage versus The Blade. Christian wins. I'm gonna kind of jump ahead. We get Christian later backstage, and Christian is officially the number one contender for the AEW World Title, which of course Kenny Omega has. So just keep that in mind. We're gonna. This is all gonna come back together here in a few moments. Just keep that in mind. Christian is your number one contender right now for the AEW World Title. All right. So let's jump back over to the other side of this. Hangman Page in the ring. Uh, he gets interrupted uh, by Omega and crew. They proceed to get in the ring and just tell him, oh, you're, oh, what are you? Now you push the Dark Order away. You're trying to come back to us. We don't accept failure. We don't accept losers. Just poking and prodding and taunting Paige. Paige slaps Omega, and then Paige proceeds to just take an ass beating by uh, the rest of the guys out there. The Dark Order starts to run out to make the save, but Stu Grayson and Evil Uno, two of the members of Dark Order, stop the rest of Dark Order saying no. He said he doesn't want us right now. He wants to be a man of his own. we got to respect that. We're not going to go do that. So the outside interference there is stopped. Frankie Kazarian then pops up out of nowhere. He tries. He gets his ass kicked. Uh, and so, once again, Kenny Omega and company standing tall, just beating the hell out of Adam Hangman Page, who, of course, for weeks here has been the guy the crowd, these 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 return to sold-out arenas, Alfred, have been just chanting for, wanting to come challenge Omega, as Omega is saying, nobody's left to challenge me. So Hangman Page right now is not that guy. Christian Cage is now being named the next number one contender. And, of course, there is these rumors of this guy named Cookie Monster that who should be coming. Never mind another guy named Daniel Bryan who might be coming. Most notably, Cookie Monster, because we're going to Chicago here shortly. They just sold out the United Center for Rampage. So what do you make of this? What is, what is AEW doing here? Are they – are they? Tr- I mean, because I did not see one – excited comment on social media about Christian being the number one contender. Everything was either F that or, well, this is just to set up him losing so Paige can come in or so Punk can come in or like there is no invest. There's no belief that Christian Cage has any hope or any matter to, to win this title. Yeah, I believe a couple of things. And poor Christian Cage, because he just seems like he's in such a tough spot right now. Despite being presented as a formidable competitor who's undefeated, this is AEW, honoring wins and losses, continuing to tell you that he's not lost yet. So, yes, that sets him up for a shot at the most important title that they have. Uh, Now, I I do not think this is Hangman Adam Page being buried. I think pro wrestling fans tend to have a persecution complex where it seems like one of their favorites seem like they're on the way down. It's, oh, you're going to bury him. You're taking away. I do think this is intricate, very well done storytelling in terms of you saw the beginning of this story. The crux of this story is Hangman Adam Page saying, I don't know if I could do this. He didn't necessarily say it, but uh, he seems scared. And they've done a lot of things to uh, communicate to you that he's a little bit nervous and tentative and not having 100% confidence in challenging Kenny Omega. He's kind of stopped short of hitting that buckshot. The Dark Order's had to hype him up. And so now he's lost. And that's going to be, I think, part of a story of him eventually challenging winning. I think if Kenny Omega uh, faced Heyman on a page at an upcoming pay-per-view, I think Paige would lose. And I think that would be a mistake. I think whenever Paige is ready, that first time he finally gets some 100% confidence to challenge Kenny Omega, which I don't think is too far off, but I think it's going to happen. I think Paige is going to win. And this is part of that storytelling. And 
Part of that is people getting fervent about the Christian along the way is going to challenge Kenny Omega and this former WWE guy, this poor Christian going in to challenge Kenny Omega, uh, even though they want Hangman on a page, Christian's going to get booed in this match, I think. I, I, unfortunately, I don't think he deserves it, but he's going to be a sacrificial lamb. And I do think the end game will be Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega at a big venue and Page getting the win on the first time out. I think it'd be a mistake to do it anytime soon because I think it's too early to beat Kenny. But when it's time, I think it will be Page. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, what is that show? Because uh, they haven't said when Christian's uh, opportunity is going to be. It could be as soon as one of these upcoming rampages, like... I mean, if it was next week here in Pittsburgh, they would have already announced it, but it could maybe it's the second one at United Center in Chicago, which, of course, will leave the door open for a lot of fun booking. Uh, it, you know, it could be at All Out. It could be at the big Arthur Ashe Stadium show uh, later in September. Uh, I think the Arthur Ashe Stadium is a perfect place to do Page and Omega. I think that's the right place to do it. Uh, I also think people, as they're getting so caught up in CM Punk coming in, which I do believe is going to happen, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's a given that CM Punk comes right in and challenges Kenny Omega in the world title. I don't think that's, I don't think that's, I think you can get around to CM Punk in the world title eventually, but I don't think you need to shoot that shot right out the gate. Um, So again, if there is a show where, where, so I guess what I'm getting at here is let's say CM Punk's first AEW match would be at an all out. Right, um, having a world title match that is, I'll just say, subpar, uh, Omega versus Christian, where the match will be fine, but but th- there's not a real belief that Christian's going to win it. Like that's the kind of world, that's the kind of uh, show to have a world title match where you know that that's not, that's not the world title match that needs to end the night because we we know the big match is going to end the night is a CM Punk return match. You know, so like I mean, so maybe having kind of this this lower level feeling of an AEW world title match is just to, you know, get Omega on the card, get Christian on the card, but no, it's not the match that needs to anchor the card. Yeah. Um, so we'll see a lot. Again, a lot of fun moving parts going on here. Uh, Stella Dustin Lopez, nine ninety nine says like, like said last week, they'll build him as a sympathetic babyface. Christian, just a filler challenger. will have either punk or Dana Bryan challenge Omega at full gear for the title in November is my prediction. Yeah. And that's the next big pay-per-view after all out is full gear in November. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, all that you got, you got this, you got these big shows coming up. You got all out. You got the Arthur Ashe dynamite stadium show. You got the, the, you know, you got full gear in November. I don't know where it's at, but uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of big shows you gotta, you gotta fill out and have uh, big matches for. So, um, and if the plan isn't for hangman, Adam page to win the title at one of these big events that they have coming up, whether it's a flushing meadows or whatnot, United center, I really do think that when they're ready to put the title on them, that would be a perfect spot for a rampage because I just think they have to do everything they can to establish Rampage as an A-show. And they've already done that. Out the gate, Rampage has got very exciting lineups in terms of the United Center and all the things they're doing on Friday nights. But that's going to be a tough time slot to really convince people that this is must-see television every single week. And having a title, a world title change on that show, especially after this long, dominant reign of Kenny Omega, I think it has to be on a Rampage if you're not going to do it anytime soon. Well, you're right. For, uh, yeah, right. Rampage is at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So... Um... You know, the second one, you know, obviously they sold out the United Center, which, look, let's be honest, they don't sell the United Center out at that pace with that many seats if there's not CM Punk rumors. Um, if CM Punk does not show up at that show, I, I don't know what that does. Or, I mean, or maybe if there's at least not a tease. If you get a teaser video or something, I guess the crowd maybe at least walks away satisfied enough knowing, okay, he is in fact coming. They're still going to want to see him there in the in the flesh. But, you know, that's that's what helps sell that show. So like, yeah, I mean, ten o'clock on the ten o'clock Eastern time is a is a tough start time. But like, yeah, to establish something big, CM Punk returning for the first time to to TV for in eight years, that would be it. That would be that would set the precedent as this is this is a show you need to tune in for in DVR, um, despite it being later than what most wrestling shows would normally be. So. We shall see. Um, all right, we get a uh, TNT world title match. Lee Johnson up against the TNT world champion Miro. Miro wins via submission. Miro, I think, uh, now 12-0. and 0. Finally, they, they really yeah. talk about cor- you know, talk about earlier with Max Caster course correcting. They course corrected perfectly with Miro after the, the best friend uh, nonsense. He might be the comeback wrestler of the year. I, I absolutely love what they're doing with Miro. They had uh, Dustin Rhodes out there, which I think – 
it would be a great television match to have Miro against Dustin Rhodes. You can destroy Rhodes. You can give Rhodes some hope spot. Rhodes is just one of those overachievers. He's always going to make – that's a Rhodes gene because Cody – Lord knows Cody might be the best in the business at this in terms of flair for dramatics and making a moment bigger than it is. You put Dustin Rhodes in a match like that against Miro, I think he can make Miro look like a billion bucks. And, I, you know, I thought Lee Johnson looked good. They gave Lee Johnson a lot more than they thought they would. But, you know, this is Miro, God's favorite champion, and I just love what he's doing. I love the weekly references to his flexible wife. Uh, really trying to get Lana in there and the doors in AEW, but I, I think he's been great. I think they've done everything right with Miro. Yeah, is it is it a given that she shows up once she's contractually allowed to? I think she, I think it is. I, I don't think they'll be, again, Tony Khan approving these. Uh, I don't think they would be making these weekly references if there wasn't at least uh, an outside plan. But you, you have to remember, I believe that Lana just got booked on The Surreal Life, on the reality television show. I don't know how long that's going to be. I don't know how it conflicts with AEW's plans in terms of being in a house with people for weeks on end. So I don't know how immediate she's going to be there. But once she's all clear and, and good, I, I do think she's going to be in AEW. Yeah, I do too. I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I just... Just can't avoid that, right? It's just it's yes. gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah, you know, you know, you mentioned Lee Johnson, uh, who who's very talented. Uh, you mentioned how he got a lot, and uh, I agree, he got more than I. He got more than I thought he should, and I and I and I didn't tweet this because I've tweeted this in the past when I thought this match should be more of a squash, and then the AEW hardcores they come out and they're like, no, everybody gets some offense, and you can still put guys. And it's like, no, well, you know, sometimes you just need to squash people. Sometimes it. Sometimes your champion or your or your TV established guy needs to, so I kind of agree. Lee Johnson got a little bit more than I thought maybe he should have, but uh, Miro is still looking very dominant. And again, yeah, maybe the comeback guy of the year for sure. And to your point, not to get too ahead of ourselves, we saw a squash match in the main event. I mean, we've seen these squash matches when yes. they need to happen. And yes, so I, I'm with you when you say stuff like that. I've seen plenty of matches in AEW where it's like, God, you know, I know they're a wrestling company, but sometimes you're just telling a story to establish a guy, and it just needs to be quicker than this. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And I'm glad I didn't tweet it because I would have had to, like, you know, <laughs> go back on the tweet once we see how the main event went. Um, right. I want to bring this up because I don't know what this and I think I'm not supposed to know what this is. <laughs> I don't know if it's a commercial or a vignette or both. We get a Paps Blue Ribbon <laughs> commercial that featured uh, Car- formerly known as Zack Ryder, Brian Myers, uh, Smart Mark Sterling, Zach, formerly Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona's uh, girlfriend, Chelsea Green, and Hornswoggle. And they're at a pool, and they're just raging out with some PBRs at the pool. Um, Did Cardona and them get a PBR? Are they, like, sponsored wrestlers now by PBR? I believe they are. I don't know if they're sponsored wrestlers, but, you know, PBR is very smart, and they have jumped all over this Domino's controversy and inserted themselves in the thick of it. Uh, and now they are, they've been teasing this all week saying we're going to have commercial. I thought they were just playing and ribbon and trying to get their names out there. No, the PBR is in the wrestling business now and good for them. Uh, they now follow me on Twitter. That's how deep into wrestling they are. Wow. Uh, so I'm going to try to get us beers on this podcast, Justin. I'll, I'll send you some over there and we're going to drink them together. But no, I love what PBR is doing. I love the fact that they are about it. Uh, you know, they even had uh, Nick Gage do a spot with uh, PBR. So uh, good on them, and I thought this was very funny and entertaining to watch. Uh, but yes, I believe PBR is now fully in the wrestling business. Uh, they said uh, Tony Khan is in their DMs now, so, so they're making the most of this. Slide into their DMs, get the product placement on the show. Look, I mean, we, we, we love the sponsors that, that help make these shows possible. Look, we we have all ends covered, or we could if we get the PBR in here. I mean, we got the HelloFresh to eat, to eat it good, to do it right. All right, we got the Manscaped to groom it right. We got the Blue Chew to help then show off the manscaping and have a good night. And then we need to crack open a PBR after the fact. Let's just get it all full circle here, Alfred. <laughs> Sounds like a great date night. Yeah, we got all of our sponsors are bringing together. I love it. I love the synergy. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, very entertaining. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't even looked. I don't know if it's on YouTube or Twitter. If I don't know if it is. But got, if, go find the PBR <laughs> commercial. Um, so we'll keep an eye for that. All right, uh, we get a women's match: Layla Hirsch up against uh, the Bunny, and the winner here is going to get to face is going to get to have some NWA action against Camille. Um, so Camille or Camilla? Camille. 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 Sorry. Um, Layla Hirsch gets a victory here. She gets it with a arm submission. I want to want to note the match. This match was really good. Yes. I didn't have a ton of expectation in this match, and I and I'm sorry to both ladies. I, I but I just you know it's they. 
if it's not Brit Smash, if it's if it's not one of their marquee women's matches, they tend to put these other women's matches on East Coast time, right at the nine thirty spot. It's it's that it's what it's the cool down period before the main event. Again, I know that sounds harsh, but that is the reality of of booking. There is cool down periods and placements. And so I just didn't expect much. I'm watching it, but I'm kind of writing notes and surfing social media. But I'm watching, and I keep looking more and more. I'm like, man, this match is really good. Uh, I think both these ladies, really, Allie and uh, or Bunny and Layla Hirsch, really um, progressing nicely. So this is a surprisingly good match. And then after the fact, Layla Hirsch, who, of course, now is going to get to rep AEW and challenge uh, Camille and, and NWA. Camille shows up, gets in the ring, and what a visual this is, Alfred. Layla Hirsch, who I don't, I, I don't even think she's five foot. She's, no. she's shorter than that. Is standing, uh, not face to face, but you know, torso to face, uh, to Camille. Which, I mean, what a visual of this David Goliath here. Uh, this was pretty cool. As much as I do um, like the bunny, and I think the bunny is great and uh, uh, kind of underrated as a wrestler, really. Uh, but I really was rooting for Layla Hirsch, who, who I think is just one of my favorites to watch and is really progressing and just improves every single week. I was rooting for her to win solely for this reason, because I do watch Camille on NWA Power. She's a thoroughbred. She's just a, a big, muscular, as JR said, a fitness freak in terms of how she looks. She's a very impressive looking woman. And when I saw her come out of the gate and I saw that she was wearing heels, I'm just like, yes, they know exactly what they're doing. Because this visual is about to look crazy. And just seeing that face to torso, yes, it was Look like a woman looking down at her daughter. Like, you're going to challenge me, and, and I can't wait to see how they do this match because this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I wouldn't think that this would be something that they would do on the Empower pay-per-view that they have coming up with NWA. I don't know if there's any contractual obligations in terms of AEW stars wrestling on a pay-per-view, but I, I believe they said this was going to be on a television show. But I, I'm all for it. I, I can't wait to see these two in the ring. You know the visual I want to see? I want to see Camille face-to-face, and it would be a legitimate face-to-face, with Jay Cargo. Yes. Oh, man, are you kidding me? Battle Clash of the Titans. Cargill's coming back to TV in terms of dark elevation, and I really do want to see that, too. Absolutely. Um, 499 from Nelson Marino. Omega versus Nyla Rose could main event WrestleMania someday. Okay. Uh, could it? WrestleMania. Good luck with that. Okay, Nelson. Put down the, <laughs> put down the PBR. Um, all right. Uh, all right, so here we go. Main event time. Making his in-ring debut is Malachi Black, formerly Aleister Black. Uh, I was really looking forward to this because I wanted to see. I was so intrigued by him in WWE. I wanted to see what's the music, what's the entrance, what's the ring gear, what's the repertoire on ring. Uh, I figured the repertoire on ring would be pretty much the same, and it was. Ring gear, pretty similar. He's wearing like more like boxer kind of uh, shorts. Uh, Muay, Thai. Muay Thai. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Um uh, short, but you know, but over, but he's got this creepy ass gargoyle kind of mask. Uh, makes the entrance out of the tunnel. It's it's black. It's smoke. Um, music wasn't real profound. They don't. The, the music wasn't real. It wasn't a real big part of it, at least catching on TV. But visually, uh, a good look for Malachi Black in the entrance, uh, and of course, you know, sitting in the middle of the ring as he became his signature. Uh, this is their tease to break. This is a great cliffhanger to break. Uh, I thought. Come back, Cody Rhodes, uh, and uh, uh, conversely, is and dressed in all white. To counteract the all black of Malachi Black, and this Alfred is uh, a five minute squash match. Mm-hmm. This is uh, you know Cody's trying, but Black is just working on the leg. You know Cody's trying to figure four. Black is ripping his eyes out. Uh, this is Malachi Black who ends up hitting the spinning heel kick in WWE called a Black Mass. I don't know if they uh, coined it uh, a name or if it's the same name here, but he hits the, the spinning Black Mass heel kick and just puts one foot, <laughs> one foot on Cody's chest. One, two, three, ding, ding, ding. Malachi Black wins. Um, so he leaves, and then Cody proceeds to, you know, obviously sell the, the beatdown. Tony's trying to talk to him, and Cody starts to cut this promo and basically talking about, you know, we took this revolution concept. We've made it an AEW. We are not an alternative. We are competition. Uh, we've set the table. It's now time for more people to eat. Um yeah, even makes a mention of the story that was going around that he, I think, at one point denied about you know EVPs and just trying to get along and what have you, uh, and then proceeds to start to take his boots off and retire, uh, and then just as he's doing that, Black shows back up and hits him from behind with a crutch. Uh, so the gimmick here being uh, one of two things: either Malachi Black has at least retired Cody Rhodes. Of course, we all know retirements never last in wrestling. Cody Rhodes will be back eventually, but he's at least sent Cody Rhodes home for a time being, or. Uh, this is the start of uh, an elaborate feud, and Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black are going to have you know a best of five that's going to get more gruesome as we go. What say you? 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a retirement just because he didn't get to say it. They obviously worked it into the storyline. I do think that Malachi, maybe over the next few weeks or even months, is going to claim he retired Cody Rhodes because Cody's going away after this. Cody's going to have to go do the Go Big Show. So that time that he's away, Malachi Black, as a heel, could just go around saying that he retired Cody Rhodes. Cody was teasing retirement, and the longer Cody stays away, the more it'll get him heat for saying that he retired Cody Rhodes. I love this entrance. It was a superstar entrance. Uh, I'm a Bucks fan, so I love the antlers that he had with the skull mask and just this whole presentation with the lights going out, going back on, him sitting in the ring, I thought was incredible in terms of Malachi Black coming off like a superstar. Uh, you know, you were talking about earlier, and, and I do support you in terms of saying when people need to just take squash losses, like Cody's one of the biggest stars in this business. And if this match would have gone 50-50 with them going too long, I would have had reservations about them going too long because this is exactly what it needed to be in terms of establishing your killer in Aleister Black, just completely destroying Cody. I do think he has Undertaker-like potential in terms of this presence in terms of the mystique in terms of this fierce dominant individual uh, this is exactly what i think should have happened and it did and i absolutely love this and i tweeted this out earlier and i just uh, i can't commend cody rhodes enough because he has to be the most unselfish top star i've ever i've ever seen in terms of the squash matches that he, he talked took to Brody lee the squash loss he took just now to getting the foot on his chest forfeiting his right to have the AEW championship all the work he did and putting over darby allen who's now one of their biggest stars like somebody had to be the guy in that Terry Funk role, and Cody Rhodes is doing that in his prime. Like, he could be a champion perennially in this and use the politics to, to be a champion, but he's kind of like the youngest elder statesman I've ever seen in terms of a guy being so giving to everybody else to putting this company over. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you say that, Alfred, because <clears throat> Cody has certainly been the in the front line of critique in AEW of he... Because, look, let's let's be real here. There's there, obviously there's Tony Khan who's the head of the table, uh, and then there's the four EVPs: the Bucks, Omega, and Cody. But Cody is the loudest of the EVPs in the sense of the Bucks and Omega. They never, there's never a mention of them being the office on air. The Young Bucks are the Young Bucks. Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega. They they they, they keep with their wrestling characters, but Cody's character it bleeds that he's the office you know we see him in in the gorilla well, in the dusty position and, and, we, and we, he's in the suit and, and and he you know he that's part of his gimmick is that he is the office that that's kind of uh, there you know so there's that and you know he, he gets the special entrance when the, you know at times on the on the on the, the arenas and he's he gets all these different things. He, 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 and I've seen the flack of, oh, this guy putting himself front and center, this guy making himself an EVP because he couldn't get over in WWE. All this stuff that he's had to deal with. But you're right. If you look at the track record of disqualifies himself from being able to be the world champion, Brody, Malachi Black, and other situations that he's done, Jade Cargill, and it's like, this is no different than a Triple H situation, meaning... Triple H gets all the flack of, oh, he's the top guy because he's, you know, he's with the boss's daughter and you know, he gets his own little NXT playground. And but it's like, if you look at Triple H, yeah, he gets the big interest and he positions himself to be important. And oh, by the way, he's pretty damn good. He positions himself to be important, but he uses it. You look at his WrestleMania record and he loses a hell of a lot more than he ever wins. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think Cody's kind of doing some of the same. He, he he builds himself up where he needs to build himself up so he's a big deal and then tries to, uh, you know, project that big deal, project that rub over onto somebody. And he more than did that by laying down and letting Malachi Black come in and be, you know, no pun intended, the next big thing. Yeah, and, and it's funny you compare Triple H to Cody Rhodes because Cody Rhodes recently in an interview cited Triple H as one of his mentors. And, and despite the whole thing with the sledgehammer smashing the throne, there is kind of a mentor relationship. And he would be the closest thing, I think, to a Triple H in terms of a wrestler who's a top star and also the office. And Triple H is a guy who lost, yeah, four WrestleManias in a row. He went on his back and put over guy after guy after guy. And so Triple H, like Cody Rhodes, understands when it's time to put somebody over. But I think Cody's doing this at another clip, you know, especially when you consider the fact that he cannot challenge for that AEW world title and has not even come close. Even in his promo, he referenced the fact goals change. You know, he can no longer challenge for that title. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it'll be a while before he ever does. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's... it's, and, and I saw the comment, too. I'm not surprised that, that Cody came out and kind of admitted that and kind of put to rest the... It, the, the, the sledgehammer of the throne wasn't meant to be as much of a shot personally as it was just 
you know, because uh, you're right. I mean, Triple H, I mean, Triple H is a student of the Dusty Rhodes game. Yes. So how is Cody not going <laughs> to appreciate that? You know what I mean? So very interesting. Uh, this is huge. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cody, I do I do agree. You know, he's going to take some time off. He's got his other things going on. Um, and, and that gives a lot of time now for Malachi Black to, you know, take that, uh, take that credential and, and run with it and, and be the, be now arguably maybe behind Kenny Omega, the, the top heel in the company, top male heel, at least. You look at people who have just gone in AEW and made an instant connection. I mean, he's on that like John Moxley pace for from day one. John Moxley just very over and he did not let up one time in terms of him just going through AEW and being a top star. And I think Malachi Black is on that similar pace. His debut was well done. People were chanting his name. He came off like a big star from day one, and it just continues to be that way. These fans are really getting behind him. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so that was your AEW Dynamite tonight in Jacksonville. Of course, next week, like I said, they're having a residency here in Pittsburgh, Wednesday Dynamite, Friday Rampage, as I said, cheap plug, Thursday right in between. If you're looking for something to do, come on out. Uh, to a thirsty, thirsty scholar bar myself, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, and Dave LaGreca, my uh, co- cohorts from Friday morning on Bust Open. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, come have some drinks, food, and uh, just talk some wrestling. Uh, show up. I'm going to take, I'm going to arm wrestle the world's strongest man. The, the gimmick is I get to use two arms to his one to try to. Oh, man. Is this a shoot? Uh, are you going to try to win it with two arms? And, and... Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, good luck with that, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> gonna need it uh alfred what do you got going on i know you're always writing good stuff on forbes.com give the plugs yeah check out forbes uh got a lot of great stuff uh, about bray wyatt's release of course rick flair's release a lot of crazy stuff going on coverage of tonight's show and then uh follow me on pro wrestling bits uh, cause a little bit of a stir with some great reaction i've loved the reaction i've got in my latest video on pro wrestling bits on youtube so come hang out we got time for a minute Let's let's do that. Go ahead, because I cause I've seen your, I see some tweets. You're, uh, it's it's it don't matter if you're black or white. In the words of Michael Jackson, give give me give me give me give give us catch us up here. Uh, okay, well, I have a video on Adam Cole from my perspective personally. It's pretty much done as if, if Adam Cole was to come ask me, "Hey man, where do you think I should go?" This is my answer in terms of how I see this scenario with Adam Cole and why I think he should go to AEW. The kind of general consensus is that Adam Cole should go to AEW because they're a wrestling audience. Uh, the hardcores are going to love him. He's an indie guy. And I agree with all that stuff. But there's also another component that I tend to be very comfortable talking about that may not make people as comfortable is that I think that AEW right now, from what I see, tends to promote a lot of white talent. There's a lot of white excellence going on in AEW. And I think that Adam Cole's a guy who could step into that mold and immediately be successful. And if you look at what's happening in NXT, there is a lot more with Hit Row, where Cal Gonzalez, Legado del Fantasma, it seems like another NXT than when him and his buddies with the Undisputed Era were just running things. And it seems to be leaving him behind, which is the cycle of life in pro wrestling. He's been in NXT for four years. So I think that one of the things that to take for me to take into consideration of where he would thrive best Go to the place that currently, which I love AEW, as you've seen throughout this podcast. I support the product. I just think that they're in a position right now where a lot of uh, Caucasians are winning in AEW. And it is something that I am going to comment on. I do would like to see more diversity and whatnot, but that's not even the main point of the article. I do touch on the fact that, yes, it would be nice to see more diverse faces and, and you know, people, even the Latino uh, voices in terms of AEW, like Andrade, my favorite, who's Ray Phoenix. I would like to see more diversity, and I'm sure that's coming. And the main reason that I am bringing this up is because I do think that AEW is capable of it. And it's just something that I'm pointing attention to, starting a conversation about. And I'm glad either way, from positive and from negative, the feedback that I've gotten, a lot of it's been positive. Of course, some people have pushed back. Uh, but either way, I've been very pleased with the response and being able to listen and learn from other people the way I think a lot of people are learning about an uh, issue in AEW. Very good. Yeah, I saw all the tweets. I saw that you were... Uh... You had, a, you had a low low number of people unfollowing you. Guess, you know, <laughs> well, I like no, that. Yeah, and that's good. Very encouraging because there was a bunch of, not even once upon a time, typically if I, you know, if I find that, okay, race is a component that I think I want to insert in this because it's a big part of my life. And if I think that there is a connection and I say that, I tend to get some unfollows here and there. And, uh, you know, they're awfully offset with some people following saying, oh, wow, this guy really does cover it from a different perspective. I want to see this. But there are a high number of unfollows as well. But that number has been going down. You know, I think uh, – yeah. 
maybe you know my following is not understanding what it is I do uh, yeah. sometimes. And so yeah, yeah, only eleven unfollows in terms of people who did not want to hear about this, and that's fine. It's, it's not everybody. There's plenty of places you can go where race is ignored, but I'm not one of these people who's going to ignore race. Uh, so uh, when I feel that it is a unique perspective to introduce into the conversation, I'll be more than happy to do it. Very good. Did you ever feel? I mean, like, I mean, did you ever feel that well, you've been a pro wrestling fan your whole life? Did you ever feel like, especially? You know, 20, 25 years ago when you were growing up as a boy, like, you know, there wasn't a lot of black stars. Like, did you ever feel like, ah, I'm not like, I'm, I'm feeling left out or did, not, or, you know, did you just, not necessarily. that aside, I'm just enjoying the characters. Right. That's the thing. When you're a kid, it's not as big, you know, as, you know, as I grew up, you know, you obviously learn to get prouder of being black and prouder of your heritage and stuff like that. But I was Hulkamaniac. My favorite wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels. You know, one of the frustrations is that we opt in to, you know, wrestling. It's very hard for wrestling to opt into us. And it really started clicking in my mind around the time 1996 King of the Ring, Ahmed Johnson became the first black intercontinental champion. And the way I connected with Ahmed Johnson made me realize, man, I, I want more of this. Like, that's how I got into Booker T. And it's like, this is this feels good because it's almost like a relative, uh, because it's so infrequent. It's like a relative winning a championship. So uh, the more I started to realize that that helped shape, like, huh, like maybe I would like more of this feeling. If I, as a kid, remember this to this day, and it was an integral part of me watching wrestling, you know, I know that there are people who can maybe get into this and be inspired. I mean, Bianca Belair, I have an interview with her up right now, and she talked about she did not watch wrestling growing up. The thing that really got her into it is at age 26, seeing Naomi in the ring, She's that's what made her say, huh, maybe I can do this. And so it wow. is very important to have that. And Bianca Belair now, you could argue, is you know the biggest star in terms of being projected as being the biggest star, one of the people that they're really behind. She would not have gotten into wrestling if it wasn't for her at an advanced age seeing Naomi in the ring. So that's one of the many reasons that I talk about these issues. That's a really good quote. You said at the at the start of your explanation about uh, you know as a black fan you're opting in and you and they weren't opting. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. Right. All time, who's your favorite black wrestler? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, I would say Booker T uh, is definitely my favorite, especially Harlem Heat is. Probably my favorite tag team. I love that. And then Kofi Kingston just means so much in terms of wrestler to me, in terms of his progression. I just love Kofi Mania, but he's up there. But I would say my favorite black wrestler is Booker T for sure. Well, that's a good answer. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ahmed Johnson stock didn't take off the way they, they thought it was going <laughs> to. I loved Ahmed Johnson too, man. I thought he was going to be the next big thing, but he's one of those guys that didn't really age well. Kind of like a movie you like when you're a kid. Yeah. Whoa, no. But hey, shout out to Ahmed Johnson. He was important for the culture. It was cool for men to be part of the Pearl River Posse, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> when you get older, listen, I, I've watched. Uh, I choose not to watch too much of Ahmed Johnson as an adult because I don't want him to to ruin that for me. But hey, listen, I, when I was a kid, I, I like what I like. I like when I hear I like when I hear the story of D'Lo Brown uh, punking out on Ahmed Johnson in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've heard all kinds of, and that's some crazy. Like his shoot interview, even uh, you know, was was some pretty crazy stuff in the claims that he made there. Yeah, he's wild. All right, uh, good way to good good fun way to end it. Uh, all right, it's gonna do it uh, again. Follow him on Twitter, Alfred Cunway here in Wrestling Inc. He's writing on Forbes, a lot of great stuff. Follow me at Justin Labar on Twitter. Uh, of course, Alfred will be back Friday night, right? Friday night for SmackDown. Absolutely. Uh, and then we'll be back next. When we'll, I think we'll be back next. I think I'm gonna make it here for for this podcast, and, and I think we're gonna make it work. I don't know. It, next week's a crazy week. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how I'm gonna do this. We're gonna make it work. <laughs> We'll do it. Subscribe, like, comment, do all the things. We appreciate it. Thanks for all the super chats. Thanks for all the free chats. Keep an eye on it. Uh, Like, share, comment, tell a friend, do what you got to do. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.